Welcome to episode 211 of the Various Sunday Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is on the road again, John mm-hmm. Scott Sloat. I am. When this drops, I'll be, hopefully, <laughs> somewhere in Virginia. Okay. All right. Somewhere in Virginia. Probably Roanoke. On my way to Roanoke when this drops. All right. Yeah. Well, when this drops, I'll actually be in class. But uh, immediately after that class, I'll be up, headed up to Grand Rapids. Nice. So, nice. What's going on in Grand Rapids? So I'm filming some content for uh, the next book that's coming out. They do – Zondervan's doing some video lectures. Hmm that uh, are an additional uh, product. So I'll be in the studio up there all day Wednesday and half the day Thursday recording okay. material. So do they record for like – obviously not the full eight hours, but they, they record for like four hours that day or five hours that day with you? Oh, it'll be – I mean I think we start at nine and go till probably four. Uh, obviously – there's a lunch break in there and yeah. you know we it's broken up into much smaller segments like my co-author and I that we're doing this with we've broken it up into like so each chapter of the book is going to be broken into I think 3 uh like about 8 minute segments um and there are a total of 7 chapters plus there's an intro and plus there's some stuff in the conclusion that we'll, we'll so uh, it won't be it won't be us just regurgitating the content of the book. It'll be based on the content of the book, but uh, it won't just be a video recording of us reading to people the book. So, okay. So yeah, that'll be a day and a half of of recording. So they, it's it's pretty sweet. They're gonna they're, we're recording in an Airbnb. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Are you also staying in the yes. Airbnb? Yes. Wow. Yeah, that'd be interesting. So they don't have like a formal studio up there. They then. used to, but they're um, they're between buildings now. They're they're getting rid of the building that they were previously in. Maybe they're. I think their lease is up. They weren't didn't own it, and um, they're downsizing because so many people are working from home now that mm-hmm. the old facility they had, which did have a studio in it, uh, they just didn't need it. Interesting. Well, publishing feels like one area where you could work from home a good amount. Yeah, I think so. I think so. They still will have some office space where they can have people come in and have meetings and some people who prefer to work in an office will work there. But So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Wild. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, If you would like to get in touch with the show, you can find us on Twitter at VNSPod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and on YouTube, and we would love for you to leave us a five-star rating. And so since uh, we will both be essentially out of town next week, uh, we're recording very early, so almost a week early. So we're recording on a Wednesday. This won't drop until the following Tuesday, uh, which means that our sports segment will look a little bit different here. Um, since we cannot talk about 
the NFL Wild Card Weekend results, which that's that is low key one of the best weekends. That's a lot of fun in in mm-hmm. sports, right? I mean, you've got um uh sort of the the first couple days into the weekend of the uh, Ma- Ma- March Madness, which is often sort of like you know sports heaven. There's games on all the time, and uh, but. The NFL has done a good job of of arranging this now, so that this becomes kind of a full weekend event. Game yeah. two games Saturday, three games Sunday, and a game Monday night. Mm-hmm. So, should be fun. It should be. Do you have a favorite game from the weekend you're looking forward to? Uh, I think the most personally intriguing is Browns Texans. Uh, just because yeah. um, I'm curious to see what the Browns can do. And, um, you know, I'm excited for C.J. Stroud. He's had a fabulous year. He got the Texans into the playoffs. I don't see a lot of people giving them much of a chance in this game. It's be interesting to see if he can— uh, He rises to the occasion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what about you? Any of those games that— um, Probably the one I'm looking forward to the most is Pittsburgh against Buffalo. Okay. I think there's a potential for an upset there. I think Buffalo's sort of been Jekyll and Hyde this season. Very much so. And uh, I think the Steelers could upset them. And I think any time Dallas is in the playoffs, I just think they're an implosion waiting to happen. <laughs> yes. So uh, Green Bay at Dallas, I think, will be will be fun as well. Yeah. Um, another one I've got my eye on is the uh, the Chiefs Dolphins game. Have you seen the weather reports that they're anticipating for that? that they're anticipating that game will be played at below zero temperatures. Ooh. With like a ten to twenty mile an hour wind. Yeah, that's going to be nasty. Hard to imagine the Dolphins play well in that context. Well, with their high-flying offense and... Well, and again, I just think some of those warm-weather teams just tend to struggle in mm-hmm. cold weather like that. And You know, I, I'm not sold on the Dolphins to begin with. Um, the, I, I just think when they've played better teams this year, they've struggled. I, I thought I saw something where... They've only beaten one team this year that finished with a better than 500 record. Yeah, that might be right. It's something like that. So Buffalo, they beat Buffalo once. <clears throat> so I think, yeah, that I, I think going against the Chiefs, I think it's hard to pick against the Chiefs at home mm-hmm. in that game. So Particularly, I think the Chiefs already beat them this year. Yeah, I'm, could be, could be. Uh, I, I think we are contractually obligated to mention that uh, since the previous episode. The team up north did win the college football national championship. Yep. That happened. Did you watch the whole thing? I watched most of it. Um, I watched until um, – yeah, Washington had some chances. I mean Michigan dominated the first quarter and then Washington kind of hung around and hung around and um, – but Michael Penix, the quarterback for Washington, did not play well. If he plays well, they win that game. Mm-hmm. He missed some open receivers and missed some opportunities. Um, I do think Michigan was the better team. So uh, that's um, – but uh, it was not the most entertaining game either. Yeah. Not the highest quality of football, but um, there it is. Okay. Sometimes cheaters prosper. Yeah. (laughs) 
what about the NBA here, John? Uh, you're starting to pay attention now. Yes, the Knicks have been undefeated since they've made their trade uh, okay. for their uh, British small forward. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they beat the Trailblazers on Tuesday, one twelve eighty four. Wow. Um, but I don't think the Trailblazers are any good. Correct. I think that's uh, correct. Yeah, they're ten and twenty six right yeah. now. Though, quite frankly, I think any time an NBA game, you win an NBA game by. 30 points around that. Like, that. That's impressive. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I want to say the Knicks beat the, when did they play the 76ers? They beat the 76ers on Friday night, uh, this past Friday night, so January 5th, mm-hmm. 128-92. And that's a much, that's a much better team. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this continues. But I think, I think, Everybody was a little down on the trade because R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly were very, very popular players. Uh-huh. And uh, since trading them, they they haven't lost, and their defense is much improved. Yeah, we're we're also uh, in the in the window where I think more people start to pay attention to college basketball as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I think once the if you're a college sports fan, I think typically once you get past the bowl games and then the national championship game for football, uh, that's when people really start, I think, dialing in a little bit more to basketball. Um, and then I think the same is – though I think the NBA is a little bit different. I think people do start dialing in around this time. I think Christmas tends Christmas to launch Day. that. Yeah. Though I wonder this year since the NFL dominated them in uh, the ratings and fewer people watched, if that means anything in terms of like people starting to pay attention to the NBA. Uh, Draymond Green is still suspended, correct? No, he's back. He's back? Yeah. Okay. uh, I think he had something about Adam Silver had to talk him out of retirement. Why? (laughs) Why would he do that? I have no idea. (laughs) Why would he do that? I – I don't get into to, to motivation. I just report the facts. And this is what Draymond Green said. <laughs> OK. Well, we should take that with a grain of salt as well. Yes. So, uh, perhaps a truckload. We, yes. we, we, we shall see um, if this kinder, gentler version of Draymond Green yes. lasts. But um, it, Are you paying attention to college basketball yet? Slightly. OK. I mean, Purdue is very good. Purdue's ranked number one um, with two losses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they lost to uh, – wait, they have two losses? Two losses. They, I know they lost to um, Northwestern, which was weird. Did they lose – they beat Arizona, I think. I can't remember. They lost uh, actually last night to oh, Nebraska. There you go. OK. Yeah, Nebraska is sneaky good. I I don't know. I think the Big Ten's weird this year in basketball. Michigan's terrible. Um Purdue and Illinois are good, and Nebraska is better than people realize. Um, but I think Wisconsin's okay. I think this year's NCAA tournament will probably be pretty wide open again. Even that seems to be a theme in the last five years. Well, basketball, I think college basketball in particular, is so subject to change. Hard to build teams with the transfer portal now especially. And uh, it's just difficult. You got guys moving around, um, which can actually open up windows for 
teams that can keep players for years. Yeah, build. Yeah. So some you know you get teams that have guys that have been there four years, five mm-hmm. years even, and you know those teams can be successful in the tournament. Sometimes. Was it San Diego State last year that had something like I that? I think so. I think so. But um, yeah, I just think um, the tournament should be wide open this year. We'll see. Yeah, uh, and Grace basketball. Yes. Yes. Now again, this drops next Tuesday. So, and there's a game tonight. There's a game Saturday. <laughs> yeah. So two games will happen in between now and then. Um, one is the the game tonight will be against Huntington here at home, uh, which is a rematch of the conference championship game from last year, which was a uh, a classic game. Uh, Grace trailed on their home floor by. 18 early in the second half, came all the way back and won. Um, didn't really take the lead until like the last couple minutes of the game. Uh, went right down to the wire. So, uh, and Grace is maybe even better than last year. Yeah, I, I think that's probably probably right. I mean, currently they're 15 and 0 and ranked number one in the country, and it, and they've been winning. By large margins. Their closest game has been nine points. Which is just wild. And their average margin of victory is around 28. So uh, they've been dominant. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Huntington comes in motivated. They're a very good team. Um, should be fun to fun to be there. And you'll actually be there. I'll be at the game. Yep. Yeah, as will I. As will I. All right, John, you ready to move on? Sure. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we're doing something today that we have almost we haven't vowed not to do this but we said we don't want to do this we're going to talk politics <laughs> in the broadest sense possible yeah yeah john is going to give you his reasons why he's voting for who he's voting for and yeah well, we will pu- publish a various <laughs> and sundry voting guide after this podcast that would be great oh uh, yes and it's worth mentioning, you and I are talking on a Wednesday. The Iowa caucus is Monday. Oh, it is. Okay. So this will I knew drop. It was coming up. This will drop after the Iowa caucus. Yeah. Happens. Yeah. I mean, the the only the only interesting thing that I'm seeing in that is who finishes second to Trump on the Republican side. And if the like you were mentioning the weather for the Kansas City football game whether the sub-zero temperatures, what role do they play in caucusing Yeah, out in Iowa? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Where you have to – you don't just stand in line and pull a lever. You have to stand in a gymnasium and make speeches and do all sorts of stuff. Are there voting machines that still pull levers? Like the ones here that we use are like the little punch. Little button, yeah. Or the button, that's right. Either punch or button, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the button. I don't know if there's levers anymore. I, mean, I know that's a sort of phrase that yeah, people yeah. pull the lever, but I, I, I just wonder if I don't know that I've ever pulled a lever actually. Yeah, I think I've only for for voting punched or uh, hit the button. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So uh, you're going to go on record with a prediction. Who finishes second in Iowa? Is it Haley <sighs> or is it DeSantis? Um. No, I'm not going to go on the record. <laughs> it's just a prediction. Uh, it's not. It's not a preference. I'm asking you to just report your anticipated facts. Uh, 
my sense is that DeSantis is going to finish second okay. in Iowa. But the margin between him and Trump will still be large, I think. That, that's everything I have gleaned <laughs> as well. Um, though I think the margin between Haley and DeSantis could be very close. Yes. In any case. All right. Um, so I, I think the main reason we're talking about this is as we had our high-level planning uh, meeting at a local Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think as we as we looked at kind of what's going on, uh, I don't know. I came into twenty twenty four with a with a sense of dread because it's a presidential election year, and so um, I've had to kind of talk myself through the. Some of the things we'll talk about today. Yeah. So this is sort of – I wouldn't call it preaching the gospel to myself, but this was born out of preaching the truth to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in any case, uh, did you – are you coming into 2024 with a sense of foreboding, a sense of like where – what is your emotional state as you think about this being a presidential election year? Um on the election front, I feel dread. I feel yeah. like uh, that. I'm narrowing it to leading yeah. to that. I'm not talking about broader life considerations. The year itself, I'm very excited about. The presidential election cycle, I'm and, and the surrounding ballots and those sorts of mm-hmm. things. I'm not looking forward to. Um, although I'm following closely, also okay. like like there's a dichotomy. There, there's something there, right? Where like I I pay close attention. And I'm also dreading this. <laughs> There's probably some psychological category for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a there's just like a there's a there's a hold my breath here we go sort of yeah. feeling in my gut. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, I thought uh, <clears throat> it'd be helpful. Just to reflect on some texts that um, are not are not explicitly about who to vote for. Obviously, uh, they're more about framing our understanding as Christians of the larger uh, issue of elections and just our kind of cultural and political context. Um, so I figured uh, two in particular came to mind. Um, let's let's start with, and I think this this is my generally generally my go to when I think about um, world politics, elections, all those sorts of things. And that's Psalm two. So Psalm two. Um, you want to read that, or you want me to read it? I can read it. All right. Uh, Psalm two. Uh, why do the nation? Why do the nations rage, and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, "Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us." He who sits in the heaven laughs. 
the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell uh, of the decree, the Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled, blessed uh, are all who take refuge in him. Okay. Thank you. So um, I regularly return back to this psalm um, for multiple reasons, not just in the context of um, election season and all that kind of stuff um, because it, it, it reminds me of several things. One is uh, the – just the, the ultimate sovereignty of God mm-hmm. and um, – Particularly over and against rulers and kings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and even that opening line, "Why do the nations rage?" That uh, it, it helps us to see. Really, this is a biblical theological reflection. I think that is an extension of Genesis three. That you have the um, yeah the line of the eventual serpent crusher, and you have the rest of the seed of the serpent, so to mm-hmm. speak. Um, and that is at the heart of the conflict among the nations. And that even even the sense of, you know, there are, you know, in the ancient world, you could have looked at different nations and said, um, well, that one seems to be a little bit more moral than <laughs> this one. Yeah. And yet they're all lumped together as the nations are raging because mm-hmm. at some level they are rejecting the Lord's rule over them by failing to submit themselves to the Lord's rule. And what is so incom- uh, encouraging to me as I even read through this is um, you know, they're making all these plans – they're taking counsel together and and then you get to verse 4 he who sits in the heavens laughs laughs yeah and that's not a like haha this doesn't matter laugh it's a more of a laugh that is oriented towards you seriously think you can overthrow me <laughs> like you you seriously think that you can do anything that um, actually threatens my rule over the world, that's the kind of laugh. Hmm. Um, it's sort of the picture of, you know, sometimes, uh, again, I, I gravitate towards sports analogies, but, you know, imagine you've got a, a group of elementary school kids at a basketball camp and it's hosted by, 
Pick your favorite NBA player. Who do you want to go with, John? Pick your uh, favorite NBA oh player. Oh my goodness. Uh, let's go. Well, let, let's go Kobe. Okay. So, Obviously couldn't. He's passed, but let's yes. go Kobe. All right. So Kobe is hosting it and he says, all right, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pick five of you come up here and you're going to go five on one against me. Mm-hmm. These are second and third graders. Is Kobe in any way worried? No, <laughs> not at all. And do you picture him laughing at points as these little kids attempt to steal the ball from him or yep. try to stay in front of him or things like that? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the picture here. Oh, yeah. That the Lord laughs. Um, not that he doesn't take it seriously. It's that he is mocking their confidence that they can actually do anything to um, undo his rule over creation. And then ultimately, part of the reason for him laughing is that he has set his king, that there is the true king of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know from the New Testament now, that's in fact his son Jesus, and that he is the one who will exercise rule over all creation and does so now, seated at the right hand um, next to God the Father, exercising dominion over creation. And there is a pleading with these kings of the earth to yeah. – to write in verse 10, uh, for them to be wise mm-hmm. and to honor uh, God's anointed one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleading. There's a warning but also a pleading in there of mm-hmm. it's not too late to repent and turn away from your sin. So that sets the context for me. I think it can be easy to get lost in the – especially with the hyperbole that comes with – <clears throat> election season, right? This is the most important election in our lifetime. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Every election is called that. I, yes. I, yes. I, I'm 50 years old now and I, I, I'd be willing to bet – I know that like the last like what? Five of them at least? Yeah. Going, going back to 2000? Certainly through Bush. Yeah. Through Bush 43. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bush uh, the Younger. Uh, GW. Yeah. All those. This is the most important election in the history of the country or, you know. Yep. <sighs> OK. But that kind of hyperbole could get you worked up, right? I mean, oh, yeah. And it obviously works. It gins people up. It gets them all uh, fired up. So um, this reminds me that even if the – even if election results go in a direction that I do not prefer. Mm-hmm. And even if all of the worst sort of fears are realized, the Lord is still sovereign. Yeah. And that although I may not want all those things to happen, it doesn't change the fact that the he Lord sits is in sovereign. heaven and yeah. laughs. Yeah. This does not this does not in any way worry him or mm-hmm. concern him. So that's the first text that comes to mind. Second text, uh, which is actually um Let's just go with the Philippians 3 text there. I'll have you read that one as well. Philippians 3, uh, 20 and 21. All right. Philippians 3, uh, verse 20 and 21. Uh, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body – or yes, our lowly body – to be like his glorious body 
uh, by the power that enables him even to subject uh, all things to himself. Yeah, I think um, part of the reason I gravitate towards that one is just that language of citizenship. Mm -hmm. That um, our ultimate citizenship is in God's kingdom. So that necessarily qualifies any sort of earthly allegiance to any sort of political entity. It's a great thing to be an American citizen. Mm-hmm. I think America is a great country. I feel privileged to live here as much as I love to travel and see new places and that sort of thing. I have yet to go somewhere where I think I think I'd rather be a citizen here mm-hmm. than of the United States. And that's that's no knock on those on those places. Um, New Zealand was great. New Zealand's great. Um, yeah. So Finland, Helsinki was great. Helsinki was great. Yep. Yeah. But in any case, God has been kind and blessed the United States with many resources, opportunities, etc. But first and foremost, I am a citizen of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. And it's his values and priorities that I'm called to pursue, even if that runs counter to what our culture or what our country pursues. That matters in these kind of contexts. Um, and I think uh, it's, it's, it's something that keeps me grounded in also the reality that our ultimate hope as Christians is not in this world. So that you know, I talked about even if all the f- worst fears that you can imagine happen, let's flip it. Let's say it goes as great as you could imagine it. <laughs> yeah. And your preferred candidate gets in, and your preferred policies get enacted. This is still not our home, and our ultimate hope is not in any sort of political process, either direction. And it is something that our hope is in the new heavens and new earth. And um, I know you wrote a book on exile. Uh, would uh, do, do you apply language of exile to this sort of political discussion, like in in the citizenship that that we're we are here as exiles in a sense. This mm-hmm. this is not um, our primary citizenship. Is not our primary place of residence. Um, we are we are exiles here and and behave as such. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, just by the nature of being exiles, um, that's a reminder that you're living in a place that is not your home. Mm-hmm. And that should shape how we think about, reflect on uh, our political engagement. Uh, one text that, that I that I haven't mentioned yet is uh, I think relevant in light of that is, uh, is Jeremiah 25. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the first wave of exiles has already been taken from Judah to Babylon. And you've got these false prophets saying, oh, you're not going to be there very long. Um, you know, God's going to bring you back shortly and it's all going to be over quickly. And the Lord inspires Jeremiah to write them a letter and basically says to them, um, get comfortable. Yeah. Like build houses, plant vineyards, marry off your daughters have children, like settle in, and yet their identity is not to be determined by their new location. Yeah, 
they're to still retain their identity. And they are even called to seek the good of the city where they are. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. And and so obviously there are, in one sense, clear limitations that God's requirements would set on that. But um, I think that's our position today. Mm-hmm. As Christians, we are to seek the good of our country in terms of the human flourishing of our fellow neighbor, our citizens, and not to just completely withdraw from any engagement at all with the world or even with politics, I would say. Mm-hmm. So I, I think those are texts, and, and First Peter really lays that out clearly from a New Testament perspective. But I think by drawing on the exile language there in First Peter, it is helping us to see our analogous position as those who as great as we might think the United States is and as great as it is in some ways, um, that we are living in Babylon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is not God's kingdom on earth. Correct. Correct. So um, those are some texts that kind of shape how I want to think about this. Um, I've, hit, I've, got, I've got a list of things to keep in mind here. I feel like we've touched on some of these. Uh God sovereignly reigns regardless of who's in power. We've touched on that yep. one. Uh, this world is not our home. That's what we were just talking about. Yep. Uh, our hope as believers is not rooted in the world. Check. Um, we haven't really touched on this one as much. Elections do matter. And as believers living in a democratic republic, we should take our civic duties seriously. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of seeking the good of the city that you live in. Absolutely. Yeah. And so um, I don't want to be heard as saying, ah, this doesn't matter. No, it matters. Mm-hmm. I'm more responding to the hyperbole of this is everything. <laughs> and if it doesn't go our way, we're completely hosed. Yeah. It's all falling apart. And so um, I think I'm trying to trying to hit that middle ground that says – we're blessed to live in a place where we have a voice through the election process, as flawed as it may be. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we should um, – that, that there's just an appropriateness of taking it seriously. This matters. And yet at the end of the day, not putting all our hope in it. Yeah. Uh, I mean you think about the number of people around the world who would love to even have some sort of – voice or mechanism to exercise their influence in the political sphere. Yeah. There are billions of people around the world who don't have that. So it is a privilege for us as as Christians living in the United States to say we at least have the ability to participate, to vote, to advocate for policies and candidates. That's a good thing. Yeah. We should be grateful for that. Um, and then uh, my next one that I had on my list here is we should extend grace to others even as we hold our positions firmly. I'm, I'm always a big fan of this one. Like <laughs> civility, absolutely. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I, maybe this is getting us into territory we don't want to go. But, but <laughs> often when I, when I get the opportunity to talk politics, it's often in a – it's always presented as, as very just like – 
you're either good or you're evil. And it's like, well, you know, I I kind of see some shades of gray here or I see like like if we get X, then do we lose Y, you know, and, and um, think through some of those. Jokes. But it's always presented as very black and white to me. Do you, do you come across that as well? Uh, to some degree. <clears throat> I think um, – and this probably reveals more about my own political persuasions than – then uh, maybe I wanted to share. But I I think I might say it a different way just, just to say every choice, you know, I think almost every choice in a candidate voting for candidates is a sometimes it's more clearly this, a a choice of uh, of the lesser evil. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes that's overstating it because you could cons- you could theoretically have two candidates that are reasonably good. I, I know crazy <laughs> thought these days, and I, I'm I'm taking it more out of the presidential realm because I think that system's clearly broken. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking for other contexts where you might have where you might have um, a context where it's not. While both of these people are deeply morally flawed, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. That does happen and I think that there needs to be grace for Christians to sort out the best way to approach those scenarios. Um, but politics by its nature is you're going to be forced to choose between – candidates and rarely are you going to find a, a single candidate where you're like everything this person wants advocates for and their moral character that's exactly everything I'd hope for yeah that's rare mm-hmm. and so I think we need to be gracious to one another even as we come to different conclusions about how to proceed as Christians in that context yeah that's all that's that's what I'm trying to get at with that one uh, and then last one, this is my plea now. The second, the last one was a plea as well. This one would also be uh, be wise about news consumption, both the amount and the sources, mm-hmm. as well as um, being attentive to spin. Um, I think this is so important. And becoming harder. By the day. Exponentially harder. Mm -hmm. Exponentially harder. Um, Are are you willing to share how you try to uh, counteract this? Yeah. I pay pay for news. I I pay for a uh, uh, group of people to to write news articles and send them to me because the incentive structure within news, if it's online or on TV, is that – uh, your eyeballs on it, uh, whether it's on the internet or whether it's uh, if it's free on the internet, mm-hmm. or your eyeballs on the TV, they get paid based on how many eyeballs they have. Right, and if which incentivizes the sensationalism. Exactly, exactly, and I, and that that makes you the product in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would I pay for a news service. They send me probably seven to ten. Uh, newsletters a week, uh, both with opinion and uh, reporting, mm-hmm. and uh, 
yeah, I almost exclusively go there. Okay. How about yourself? So um, I primarily use two different venues. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is called Real Clear Politics. RCP. Yeah, they do good polls. And um, they tend to be pretty good about um, posting articles from right and left a- angles. Um, now, again, you still have to sort through the spin on both sides. Yeah. The other one that I use is an app called All Sides. Are you familiar with All Sides? Yeah, I, I've used All Sides before. Now, there's their approach is a little bit different in that they they have maybe like a uh, a news story okay, mm-hmm. or like a topic yeah. in the news, and then they'll give you a story that they deem is uh, from the left, skewed from the left maybe, or per, from the perspective of the left, mm-hmm. and then. From the right, and then, um, you know, from what they also think of as the center. Now, again, even uh, I'm not saying that I completely trust. Oh, that they say that center cut. I might disagree with that. Yeah, but at least it gives me a starting point that someone else has looked at it and kind of evaluated. Okay, this kind of leans left. This one leans right. This is relatively center cut. Uh, to give me a broader sense of what an issue – what people are saying about an issue or an event. Mm-hmm. That, those are some of the things that I try to do. Yeah. I've used uh, – so when I go look at polls, I go to Real Clear Politics because they do a good job of aggregating all the yes. polls. Uh, yep. And then I've used all sides in the past. I think I've deleted the app off my phone, but I believe it's free. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't – I'm not aware that I'm paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I am, I've forgotten. Um, so – yeah, I just think just being wise about where you're getting your news from, um, as well, and you know, social media is incredibly dangerous on this front. Um, so, and also just even amount like th- you need to disengage from it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like if you're getting consumed with it, you need to step away from it. Yeah. Um, you know, go take a walk. Go have coffee with a friend. <laughs> And don't talk about politics yeah. with that friend. <laughs> Go read a book that has nothing to do with politics. Yeah. You know, read a novel, something. Just disengage from it. Uh, so in any case, anything else you want to add on the politics front? I I don't think so. No, I think we've, we've mostly hit. Um, Have we said what we wanted to say without saying what we don't want to say? Yeah, I think so. OK. And I th- I'll just add at the end here. Um, Although you and I have a lot of shared overlapping political views, we mm-hmm. don't agree on everything. No, no. And we have good conversations about mm-hmm. those some of those points of d- disagreement or maybe it's probably nuance is probably the better way to say yeah. that we might agree on ideas and concepts but disagree on at times the best political means to – accomplish those mm-hmm. ideas. Does that, does that seem fair to you? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Maybe we do a Patreon where we really get into those sorts of things and lo- listeners can pay $1,000 each <laughs> and and we will talk about politics openly wow. on our Patreon page. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know if that's enough money. <laughs> I don't even know if that's enough. Uh, All right. You ready to move on? Sure. 
Time now for This Day in Sports History. All right, This Day in Sports History, uh, January 16th. Yeah. Just flying through the month here. Uh, I feel like never in my life have I gone, boy, this is a slow year. Things are just moving at a snail's pace. It always feels like the year is moving at a quick pace. The older you get, the more it accelerates. Hmm. There have been studies about that, actually. Did you know this? Really? Yeah. That our perception of time, why is it that our perception of time as we get older is that time goes faster than when you were younger. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, 1966, uh, the 16th NFL Pro Bowl at uh, the LA Memorial Coliseum. The East beats the West. It's funny how they decide, uh, uh, split them up. Yeah. East beats West 36 to 7. MVP, Jim Brown, Cleveland Browns. And? Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, Dale uh, Minert. Yeah. Of the St. Louis Cardinals, linebacker. So they picked an offensive and a defensive uh, guy. Yep. Um, interesting, St. Louis is considered east in that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. When it's the gateway to the west, right? Isn't that Saint, the St. Louis Arch, the gateway to the west? Yeah. But, I mean, people would think of St. Louis as Midwest, right? I mean, and it's the... When, I mean, the Mississippi, isn't that kind of the divide, you think, that most people think? Probably. You get you get east of the Mississippi and you're, you're, you're still east or Midwest. And then you get, I don't know, Midwest, I guess people would think of Kansas and Nebraska and Iowa as Midwest. And I think that Midwest. is Plains, though. I, I struggle to think of Kansas as Midwest. I think of them as like the Plains. What about Iowa? They're, they're, Are you going to stick with Iowa as Midwest? I think Iowa is Midwest. Okay. So you're going to draw the line at the uh, Iowa-Kansas uh, or Iowa-Nebraska border. What about Nebraska? Nebraska's Plains? Nebraska, yeah, Nebraska's Plains. Okay. Minnesota's Midwest, but North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Plains. All right. Anyway, not that Plains <laughs> is a category that uh, that, it, that exists. Um, no. But anyway, uh, 1970, Kurt Flood. Fly, files, excuse me, not, he does not fly a civil lawsuit. He files a civil lawsuit challenging baseball's uh, uh, reserve clause. His eventual uh, victory in court paves the way for free agency in sports. That feels like a big deal. A huge deal. Big, big deal. Yep. Um, let's see. 1972, Dutch speed skater, which are three of my favorite <laughs> words on this podcast. Uh Achi uh, Kulen Dilistra, I was waiting for the correction, becomes <laughs> European all-around ladies champion for the first of three consecutive years. That's probably about right. I think it's just Dilstra that last. Dilstra. Kulen Dilstra. Okay. Achi, I think, is the right there. A-T-J-E. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a category for that. Unless there's a silent Z in there. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows with the Dutch? Um 2019 Golden State guard uh, Steph Curry, first player in NBA history to hit eight plus three-point field goals in three consecutive games, going nine for seventeen, nine of seventeen, uh, three threes in the Warriors' 147-140 win over New Orleans. Uh, team combined for an NBA record 43 three-pointers. That's it, a that's it, a lot of three-pointers. It is. I mean. It's remarkable how much the three-point shot has overtaken basketball, and in particular the NBA. Yeah, yeah. 
2019 Houston guard James Harden becomes the first player to score 55 plus points in back-to-back NBA games since Will Chamberlain did it in 1962. Uh, James Harden scores 58 in the 145-142 overtime loss to Brooklyn. 18 straight games with 30-plus points. Yeah, he was putting up huge numbers back in 2019. He was. And the fact that he had 55 points in an overtime loss reminds me of James Harden with Houston. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, So who do you like out of that? Um, Probably Kurt Flood. That's where I would go as well. Would probably be my choice. Yep. One thing you like? Free agency. Big deal. Yep. Uh, One thing I like, I have – and I I sort of do this every New Year's or Christmas break in New Year's, is I have been listening through the audio book of Lord of the Rings narrated by Andy Serkis. Who is – Who plays Gollum in uh, the movies. But he narrates the books. I think it came out in like 2020, 2021, somewhere in there. Marvelous. He's so good. Uh, and so I am in the middle of Return of the King right now. Okay. So, so good. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, I'm going to go with something that uh, by the time the episode drops has happened but has not happened yet as of recording. Uh, this upcoming weekend, uh, my wife and I are getting together with two other couple friends of ours from our college days. And we're meeting up uh, in Columbus. Nice. Spending the extended MLK weekend in the Columbus area. So very much uh, looking forward to that. Last year was the first year we did that and decided we need to make this an annual thing Mm. on MLK weekend. And so uh, there will be food, games, football, lots of fun stuff. So – and yeah, that's – that's something that uh, has now become a reality that we look forward to every year. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. You guys get an Airbnb in Columbus? What's yep. the – OK. Yep. And we're getting the same one that we got last time. We really liked it. Sets up well for for three couples and so we booked it pretty early this time around as well. Nice. So, yeah. It's in a good – it's in a good location and uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. Nice. So that is my one thing I liked. All right, John, we have talked a little bit of football, a little bit of basketball. We have talked politics and survived, I think. We have talked about Kurt Flood. We have talked about the audiobook version of Lord of the Rings. And we have talked about my weekend in Columbus with college friends. Mm. And so I think by definition... We have covered our various and sundry topics, and so all that's left to say is, until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.